All right, so Romans 14. If you're not opened up yet, get to that chapter. Verses 13 through 17 today. So I'm going to read and back up a little bit to verse 10, go over last week's. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account to himself, to God, of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. All right, so today's verse 13 starts with therefore. Um, as we always do, we got to ask, what is the therefore, therefore? So first question of the class this morning, what's, what's the therefore, therefore? Joe, do you know? I have no idea. I can't Well, that's okay. It's in the text. It's in the text. Anyone else have an idea? Conclusion? Of? Uh, what they've been talking through. Okay. What do you think specifically? Anything in mind? Uh, I didn't get that part. <laughs> you are right. Of course, it's um, recap uh, looking back talking about what they just spoke of. But the verses we just read are what he's talking about here. What does it say? He's quoting scripture, right? Right before he quotes scripture, um, he says, for we will stand before the judgment seat of God. As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. Right? Right? And then Paul says, so then each one of us will give an account of himself. So who's, who's giving the account to God? Okay. Are you going to give, are you going to give an account for yourself? First question. Yes. Okay. Are you going to give an account for Jen? No. Nope. Are you going to give an account for Jeremy? No. Nope. Am I going to give an account for you? No. Nope. Why not? That's not problem. Okay. That's that's your problem. Got it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, we're all to give an account of ourselves and ourselves only, right? Everyone on the same page with that, and we're not. Pastors are tied in a little differently. Pardon me. Pastors are tied into that a little differently. (laughs) Okay. You want to explain? Well, the scripture that says uh, you give a. Uh, they give account for your soul. Is it that one? Yeah, Hebrews chapter thirteen. Uh, yeah, chapter thirteen, verse seventeen. Obey your leaders and submit to them as those who have to give an account for your souls. They watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Mm-hmm. So they are held to a, a higher standard, right? The judgment's going to be stricter uh, for those who uh, lead and, and teach and things like that. So it's something to be aware of if um, you're interested in a ministry in that form or another, right? So it's there for explaining what came before. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and so Paul's making a point here in all of uh, Romans 14 on how the church should act and um, respond to one another in love versus from a position of judgment. So, yeah, absolutely. So he's telling us that. Okay, well, um, 
some of my commentary had come from um, John MacArthur's book, and I wanted to read some of this because it was really good, and I know this isn't his uh, Bible study, but I just want to give this uh, a quick read to give you some context, and then we'll go through some of these questions I have here. Uh, he says, In his new covenant, our Lord Jesus Christ has granted marvelous freedom to those who belong to him by faith. Most importantly, we are freed from the penalty of sin, from spiritual death, and eternal damnation. But Christians also are freed from the incumbences of ceremonial law and dietary restrictions of the Old Covenant. Apart from sin, we are completely free to enjoy all the good gifts that God has so graciously bestowed on those who trust in His beloved Son, Jesus Christ. But although we are permitted to enjoy that freedom, we are not commanded to do so. We are not obligated to exercise every freedom we have in Christ. In fact, the greater our love and spiritual maturity, the less important those freedoms will be to us, and the more willing we will be to re relinquish them for the sake of the best for the sake of best serving the Lord of others, especially other believers. Most especially, our concern should be for fellow Christians whom Paul describes as weak, those who are still shackled in some way by eternal requirements and restrictions under which they formerly lived. The issue for the strong, mature Christian is not whether or not he possesses freedom, but how he should exercise or waive that freedom on the basis of how it will affect others. So he goes on, and it's really good commentary there, um, but he's talking about this passage that we just read through, and... Um, Again, looking at it, Paul says, well, after the therefore, not to judge one another anymore, right? But determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block, stumbling block in a brother's way. All right, so the first question um, that I have posed for the class under do not judge is how do believers condemn, it's supposed to say one another. It says on another, but one another. How do believers condemn one another? How do you see that playing out in the church? We shouldn't, you're right. But how does that how does it happen? What does that look like? Lizzie? Um, I think kind of going back to what we studied last week where we're judging each other's consciousness. Like we're uh, like it may be like something that they're consciously conscious about, whether it be like unbelief, or things that, um, I don't know, it's kind of hobbies or and he kind of passes those judgments on other people because we think that it's like, oh no, uh, I wouldn't do that, so you should do that. Okay, so, so putting judgment on another believer because they're participating in something that you don't feel is right for you, and I'm repeating that because the recorder's right here and these mics aren't working right now. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. So the agreement's good. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. I you remember two weeks ago, we went over the um, uh, chart of keeping doctrine in its place that Jeremy came up with a while ago. Um, and they talk about it on this podcast a lot, but uh, I don't have the, the big one up on the wall, but it looked like this with the three different sections, primary doctrine, secondary doctrine and doubtful things. I keep it on the back of my binder for Romans so that I can look at it a lot and remember it. Um, so outside of primary doctrine, uh, yeah, saints can condemn each other by holding them to their their own standard of worship, um, to lots of things throughout. Andy, you want to add? I think it's... <clears throat> we look at the actions the actions fall outside of our comfort zone, I think we condemn for motives, which are dark, and that's something that God sees. Um, it's, we can't see the heart. So, unless it's a primary doctrine or uh, something that distinguishes um, orthodox faith in Christ, can't really, um, we can't judge on, on that count. It's, uh, 
person with good conscience is a vegetarian, as much as I like steak. Again, it's uh, I can't I can't judge their motives. If they're doing it because they feel that they're compelled to eat only vegetables, you know, fruit, whatever, that's that it. We all worship the same Lord. It's their God. It's their Lord as well. So an example of condemning that person would just be holding that against them or even yeah. confronting them with it and telling them, yeah. hey, you're doing something wrong. That would be sinful, yes. Joe? Well, if we don't judge, we won't condemn, period. Okay. Is that easy to do? No. <laughs> For me, it is. Good. Good. We'd love to hear that. But it, it can be a difficult thing to not do to other believers. And Paul's instructing the church here to not do it, right? Um, and it's for the church in Rome that still applies directly today in many, many ways for us here. Good. We're happy about that. Uh, again, on this chart, the doubtful things, we talked about that two weeks ago. Um, here's uh, a list. This isn't the full list. It's just things that are a part of it, but it could be alcohol, Bible translations, the clothes that someone wears, food, hobbies, holidays, the mission field, right? Music and other media, personal appearance, personal finances, personal health care decisions, politics, schooling, social networks, tattoos, tobacco, that's all stuff that falls into this doubtful things column. That it, it's real easy for us to judge other people on, especially other believers. Um, you know, if somebody walks into this church right now and they're covered from head to foot in tattoos and they got a black hoodie on and they're slouching like this and just looking at everyone, not saying anything, you're, you're not going to judge that person? It's going to be hard, right? It's going to be hard, especially if we don't know if they're a believer. Um, and it's in our nature to judge one another. So yeah, those are those are the doubtful things, and they're hard to do. Okay, let's let's keep going in the text here. Um, obstacles and stumbling blocks. What did this mean for the Romans? Uh, where again, Paul in the second half of verse thirteen says, "Not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way." What does that mean? And what did that mean for the Romans? Back when Paul wrote this. Give each other extra biblical requirements to be in good standing, to be approved, to be loved, to be accepted. Extra biblical requirements, right? Okay. What what does that look like? What that look like in Rome? Mosaic law. Okay. Good. Or made up made up laws going back to the right <laughs> time of Noah. Right? Before Moses. Right? Because what's man really good at? Adding to rules and making them even stricter and, and tougher, right? They could have argued over things like, why are you obeying Caesar? Okay. Yeah? That's a good point. It could be, Jim said, they could be arguing over, why, why are you obeying Caesar? He's not your Lord. That could be a, a real argument back then. Uh, the stumbling blocks for the Romans uh, were being around other... This was a church, right? Paul is addressing the church, and there's some Jews, and there's lots of Gentiles. But being around other saints, and, and some of them are eating food, and they're observing or not observing certain days, um, specific days of worship, when they themselves did not believe in their heart that those things were okay for them. Uh, and so they were... It's, it's our natural tendency to put judgment on someone like that. Um, also urging others to conform to what your standard is or you being urged to conform to their standard um, could possibly do it. it. It could go against someone's conscience if they do something that they don't feel is right, but the herd is doing it. Everyone else is doing it in the church, so I better conform even though I don't, uh, I don't agree with it. Question, yeah? No, not necessarily. Are you expecting that person to do what you believe out of the disagreement? 
then that, I think that's a fair seat to be in. Can someone flip to 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and read uh, 8 through 13 for us? 1 Corinthians 8, 8 through 13. Please. I got it. Thanks, Andy. Go for it. Food will not commend us to God. We are not worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who who have knowledge of eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus, sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience, when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Thanks, Andy. So again, remember, in in Romans 14, Paul is using um, food and holidays, or specific days, I guess, um, as a reference, as a talking point, as to how the church is supposed to treat one another and individuals' choices on these things. Um, and Paul in 1 Corinthians talking about the same thing. And he's, he's saying that the food isn't what condemns us, right? He's talking about if it offends his brother, he's going to refrain from doing that in the presence of his, his brother, around him, right? Because um, he doesn't want his brother to fall in sin that way. And either judging Paul that he's wrong uh, or persuading him, his brother, to eat that food that he doesn't feel like he should be eating. In this case, it almost seems like he's not trying to offend his brother. It's like, let's say I go out and have a glass of wine and someone sees me. You're not trying to offend your brother, so... Yeah. But he's kind of condemned for that, for eating meat. And... Paul or the well, brother? He's, in his example, if someone sees you doing that, mm-hmm. then, you're wrong, but you're not trying. Right. So, in that, in that circumstance, who's the stronger brother? Drinking the wine, right? Yeah. And, and the weaker one's the one that thinks it's really wrong for that brother to be doing it because he's holding himself to that same standard. And Why is the stronger brother wrong for just... He, you know what? He's not inviting him to his house and saying, hey, this right. steak and whatever. He's... He's not trying right. to do that. And I don't see it as a stronger brother's wrong. But Paul's saying, I'm not even going to put my weaker brother in that position to sin in judging me that it is wrong. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refrain from doing that so that he's not put in a position to where he could be judging me. And he's just taking his liberty, his own liberty away. Paul's saying, I have this liberty to do it, but I'm not going to because if he sees me doing it and he's offended... And then he judges me out of his own standard. I don't want to put my brother in that position because I love him that much. Right? You invite him over to your house. Don't, and you think that he has a problem with wine when you're drinking wine. Right. right. Yes. I, I think the real question here is how much wine is great Uh, Well, that takes us right into our next question. What does this mean for us here today? And I think we're kind of already talking about that. But the big problem back then was food and specific days. Is that the same thing now today? Or is it other other things that cause this issue amongst the church? I think it would be other things, at least in America. Yeah. In other cultures. Uh Uh-huh. far do you take this? Like if you go to visit a relative that goes to a church where the women can't leave the house unless they have a dress on. While you're visiting, should you wear a dress the whole time you're there? What do you think? Well, that's what I was saying. Or they only use the King James Bible, so do I have to buy a King James Bible when I go visit? What do you think? <laughs> what do you think? No. Just ask the hard questions. Well, our, right. I think the first question always has to be, are they fellow believers? Right? Yeah. Oh, they are. They, all right. They are. They and so if they are fellow believers... Uh, a polyglistic church. Paul, 
I just preached, when I was back in Missouri, I preached a sermon on Acts 21. And Paul went into the temple, well, he went under a bow with four other men, shaved his head, or yeah, did the shaving the head thing with them, paid their expenses, made sacrifices in the temple with them. They were Jewish believers who hadn't let go of those Jewish customs. He paid for the animals and then went with them into the temple and slaughtered them. Wow. Mm. So I have to buy a dress. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at that as pretty extreme grace. Yeah. yeah. And, and it is. I mean, that's yeah. it makes us uncomfortable. And now it gets different where it's like, okay, well, those were at least, you can understand why the Jewish believers were still doing those things. They were raised in that. They were God-prescribed customs. Mm-hmm. And then you get into the, the realm of, well, people are making up their own customs. Uh-huh. And what does that mean? Uh-huh. But I think we err on the side of grace in a lot of situations. So do we drink with the drinkers? <laughs> <laughs> Is it against your conscience to drink? Will you feel like you're sinning if you're drinking? Oh. But if you're drinking, but if you're with everybody that's drinking. But do you normally drink? Drinking. That's okay. Isn't that kind of telling when they're wrong? No. no. Absolutely not. No. What's the scripture? Because if you can't do it from faith, it is sin. That's mm-hmm. the end of Romans 14. That's the key principle. If you can't do it out of faith, it is sin for you to do it. Lizzie? I think with drinking, it depends also on the other person, like their, like their limitations. Uh-huh. Because I wouldn't, like, you wouldn't want to drink with someone, like, yeah, it's time to have a beer, but you wouldn't want to take that, drink that beer with someone that's an alcoholic. Right. Because then you're, like, condoning their behavior. Yeah. If it was just someone that doesn't drink beer and, like, it's just an occasion. And I would think it's fine because you guys know both of you guys are, you know, yeah, we, doing it out of faith if you get Christians or uh, just... Sure. Well, yeah, and he, yeah. Paul's speaking of things that aren't sin. So if we know a believer's uh, acting in sin in any way, yeah, we are absolutely not to participate with them in that, for sure. For sure, for sure. I think Paul's speaking of stuff that is outside of the realm of sin, the stuff that is our liberty to... to uh, take uh, questions over here. Yeah. I think we, we have to consider how our actions are going to affect the other believers. I mean, uh, and usually that's actions. What we don't do is what we don't do. I, mean, yeah. I don't know how you can apologize for what you don't do. I guess there might be a situation <laughs> there. But, but what we do, we have to consider our relationship to that individual and how it's going to affect them. Right. It's somehow going to cause them to sin. Right. Run away from God or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah, those are good. What about holidays? What about participating in Halloween? I think you should encourage others maybe not to. Why is that? <laughs> I mean, like, uh, like, I have a friend Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of let her be, but like I don't know, I just I I think there's hope through time. They're like, oh, like not, not really but I don't know. I just I think because if you really think of it in a spiritual level, like um, there's always these kinds of news. Like the day after Halloween, there's a bunch of news. I mean, in the Spanish news, like the uh, report like sacrificial rituals and things like that that happen in other countries or in other states here in the United States and it's like people use that spiritual use like sure so just like eating meat sacrificed to idols in Paul's day right it's the same thing it's the same thing he's talking about that just in their day that was a very spiritual thing that some believers can't even get close to touching anything and won't, won't eat meat because they're worried about that possibility of that being something that happened to that meat. Where other believers, they're not going to let it bother their conscience. Right? And Paul talks about that. We'll get to some more verses here uh, that we'll look at. So we've got to keep moving because we're 
we're running out of time here, but um, why? let's go to the next one. Each brother has their own conviction. Verse 14, why is something that's clean to Paul unclean to another brother? Paul says, I know and, and convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is un- unclean in itself, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. How is that possible? across the board, um, each from where we're coming from, what we've been raised in or not raised in, and what we know, how well we know Scripture, and how our relationship is with the Lord, right? Andy? I think, <clears throat> I think that the point that Paul is driving to is that we have tenderness and charity for our brothers and sisters in Christ. That for the sake of unity, we want to not try to force what we we believe is a stronger brother or sister on a weaker brother. Or sister. Sure, but in verse fourteen, let's look at that. Paul says, "I know and am convinced in the Lord that nothing is in, unclean in itself, but to someone else it is unclean. How is that possible?" Yeah. I think a lot of times it's just people are ignorant of information that they need to. Uh, like in the First Corinthians 8 passage about meat sacrificed to idols, mm-hmm. that person is still thinking the, the God behind the idol might even be real. Right. And so there's a inform- lack of information. And this the whole area of, that, of opinions should never be without conversations that challenge us. Right. We should always be challenging, not just saying, well, you just do whatever you want and I will never talk to you about it. <laughs> But what's interesting is in the New Testament, before they talk about it, it's always the stronger brother serving the weaker brother Mm -hmm. and showing grace. The first, the initial reaction isn't, well, let me correct you. The the initial reaction is always, well, how can I love you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Question? Comment? Oh, it was just going along with what he said. But I would think um, if the person believes it's not okay, you wouldn't want your brother rebelling against God, which if they chose to follow you, would put them in outright, they would think they were outright rebelling against God, so you'd never want to yeah. have somebody do that even though right. they're seeing differently on the two different right. things. But like you said, I think it is a difference in understanding. Sure. <laughs> and look at and looking at verse 14 again. Remember who Paul is, right? He's the Pharisee of Pharisees. He went after Christians to kill them. He knew what um, the Old Testament said. He knew the laws. He tried to adhere, adhere to all of them. He says he did, right? And he was as deep as you could get. And he was the leader. Everyone looked to him. He knew not only the biblical restrictions, but the man-made traditions on top of them. Right? He knew the excess. And then when he comes to faith and he meets Christ and he understands because he became an apostle and he's inspired with the word of God in himself, he understands his liberty in Christ. He understands that he's freed from all these restrictions, all these man-made traditions, everything. And he understands it probably better than most, if not anyone else, right? So he gets it. And he's saying, I understand these things to be clean. But to someone who doesn't, as Jeremy pointed out, it is still unclean to them because they don't understand yet. So it's going even beyond that. It's not just the fact that they don't understand, but they're doing something out of a a devious type of attitude, devious type of spirit. Okay, well, this isn't allowed for me, even if it is. Um, It's that that attitude of defiance going against um, their understanding that their understanding is wrong. I remember hearing a story about uh, a psychiatrist who raised his daughter to think the word watermelon was a bad word. Uh, whatever he said, he said it in anger. 
Todd, I think it was something she should be saying. So she would go to all these picnics or whatever, and hear people say, hey, we got some water. <laughs> and she was just horrified. Um, for her, that was a, a bad thing. If she had sent water out, it would have been sin for her, even though it's completely fine to say the word water out, right? Um, so it's that attitude of going against uh, your understood authority even if your understanding is misplaced. Right. But I do believe that, say, and that, you know, as a strong brother, there is a point of giving in, uh, or what would you say? Like, I think she should be taught that watermelon is not a bad word. For <laughs> sure. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. You're, you're not wrong with that. We, you still are easy in how you do it. We want to grow together. Every time you're around, you're a watermelon. Right. <laughs> Do it in love. Right. But you know, there again, I mean, my our family or my family, they don't think we should be coming to this church. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're Christians also. Mm -hmm. They don't support us in it. So what? Do we not go to this church? Well, there's a difference between opinions and serious doctrines, aren't there? Yeah. And if you can't make those distinctions, then you treat everything like opinions, or you treat everything like prior. Yeah. yeah. You have to be able to make those distinctions and act accordingly. That's that's the difference. Absolutely. Which brings us to the next topic, walking according to love. So what is an example of not walking according to love in Rome? What do you think they were doing in Rome that was causing them to not walk in love in this in this standpoint with what we know about what's going on with them in Rome? <laughs> yeah. Lots of pork flying around. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Um, because of food, specifically, right? Meaning that um, some openly ate. Uh, they condemned others for not eating what they are eating and judging them um, for questioning their faith. Or the opposite is true, where the ones that weren't eating were judging their brothers as well in that aspect. So, yeah, without even knowing it, they're not walking according to love. Um... Add another excerpt out of here. I wanted to read from J Mac. Just bring it quickly. The situation was this a strong and a weak Christian sometimes would go to dinner at a house of an unbelieving Gentile. When the host served the meal, he might mention that the meat had been used in a pagan sacrifice. The weaker believer would be immediately disturbed and tell the other believer that he could not go in good conscience and eat such meat. Out of love for his weaker brother, the stronger Christian would join in refusing to eat the meat, understanding that it is better to offend an unbeliever than a fellow believer. Although that, un although that unusual and selfless act of love might temporarily offend the unbelieving host, it might also be used of the Spirit to show the depth of Christian love and draw him to the gospel. thought that was a good, good point them talking through what's going on in Rome. So what's an example of how we do not walk according to love now? What do we do today that is an example of not walking according to love? Logan? Which one should I Well, the example you just just expressed might be considered that where they're not walking according to love and your guys' decision right if they're not walking according to love or we're not what do you think <laughs> <laughs> they're not yeah. right does it get confusing because like Jeremy's example of all going and offering sacrifices and stuff how do we not know there's not other believers Mm -hmm. And yeah, Paul, Paul, the one 
He's the one who wrote, whatever is not done from faith is sin. And so apparently he was able to do that yeah. with faith. Yeah. And those who couldn't, shouldn't. Let's see. And so kind of going off what she said, huh? and then why did, what's the difference between what Paul was doing with these people and these other people versus what Peter was doing when Paul called him out? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're mm-hmm. like Jews for Jews and Genovians. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's like, with uh, Peter yeah, like deciding Peter not to eat with the Gentiles Paul anymore. Mm-hmm. Paul was doing the same thing. Paul was doing the same thing. Not... Like if he was like being a Jew with the Jews, then like I guess the Gentile, the Gentiles kind of influenced them into grace and stuff. It's a great question. <laughs> and I'm not following. <laughs> but but there's, a, there's, a, there's an answer there that yeah. Peter was clearly acting out of fear of man. Mm. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. It was total hypocrisy, fear of man. That's not what Paul was doing. Paul was deliberately setting aside time in his schedule to go do this with them. And he wasn't being a hypocrite at all. But Peter was clearly a And it was splitting the Gentile believers and the Jewish believers. Yeah. It was dividing the church. Right. Whereas James and Paul, when they made that decision, were considering the Gentiles saying, we're not placing this yoke on the Gentiles. We are doing this specifically for them right now. Do we have to remember that, you know, we're doing things because of conscience and our heart, but there might always be one person observing that doesn't get it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So, you have to give yourself that freedom, too, that you're doing what's right in your heart and your conscience, mm-hmm. but you might not get 100% mm-hmm. agreement from everyone. They yeah. might not understand your motives. And if they don't ask, and you can't explain, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, especially if they don't say anything. Yeah. You don't even know. Yeah. You don't always know what people are thinking, and they don't always yeah. say. And if they do, it's how we react, right? Yeah. If we react in anger or if we react in, in love. Um, and that's what we need to be con- conscious of, not to react in anger, which can quickly turn into judging them and put us both in a bad s- situation. I'm like, I don't have a problem if a believer wants to have a drink. It doesn't bother me. But when I go to my family's celebrations and stuff and they all drink, I wouldn't just because it sets me apart mm-hmm. and makes them see that I'm different. Mm-hmm. Because there are so many alcoholics in my family, mm-hmm. I could probably say I'm the only one that doesn't. Mm-hmm. And so then they will ask me questions. Yeah. It, it leads to conversations. Right. Because they'll say, I can't believe you're a turpin and you don't drink. And so it, it leads to a conversation. Right. On why. Yeah. And, yeah. yep. Talk to them after the alcohol's worn off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have that conversation before it's. <laughs> well, and again, bringing this back into the realm of within the church, um, the next part, destroying him whom Christ died for. Uh, Paul says that right here. We need to be, that needs to be on high alert for us, right? Uh, we'd never want to do that to another believer. And in verse uh, 15, Paul goes on to say, For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food, him for whom Christ died. What does that mean? How do you destroy another believer? What's he talking about? Are they sending, sending them to hell and causing them to do these things? First question needs to be answered correctly. By the class. No? Who said no? Oh, good job. Right, why not? <laughs> True.
context, yeah. And in the context of the church, believers can't go to hell. Christ has paid for that. Logan? I think also, like, you read it for it because of food your brother is hurt. Uh -huh. You are no longer walking according to love. Uh -huh. It's talking about doing this unloving. Uh -huh. And so you probably know they don't like it. Uh-huh, yeah, hurt. right. And so you're probably, your attitude isn't wrong. It's not loving. Yes. Versus, you know, you look at the person that knows that they, their conscience is bound, binding them on this certain issue. Yeah. You know, love would, you know, walk in love according. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could, maybe you could give it up, you know. Mm -hmm. Leave space for them. Yeah. You're asking them to violate their conscience before the Lord. Mm -hmm. And thereby, you're stumbling them and basically uh, handicapping them in their growth before. Yeah, it's tempting, right? Causing any saint to sin because of your actions, word, or expectations. Causing them to be spiritually unwell, disheartened, upset, angered. These things are the meaning. Um, it's definitely not damnation, though. We've got to keep that in mind and remember that which is only for unbelievers. Believers in Christ are, are saved from the eternal damnation. So as we're going through this, how much importance is Paul putting on this subject? And then ask yourself, how much are you putting on this subject in your life right now? Uh, Paul's putting a high importance on this, right? We've been in this all through chapter 14. It's about 30 verses worth that he's spending on how we are to treat one another uh, with these subjects in, in the realm of the church as believers that are to love one another as Christ loved us, as Christ loves his bride, right? Um, and I, just studying through this, getting ready for the, the class, I realized I don't, I hadn't put much of an emphasis on this, um, but just reading it and learning it, making it a part of my life it, it is changing it. But I've, I've been able to recognize those in my life that do put a big emphasis on this and it's important for them. Um, and honestly, it's typically the, the leaders that I know um, within the realm of the church. And they do a really good job with that. And it just hasn't been th something I've thought of a whole lot uh, for myself personally. It's been something where I've really grown exponentially here, right here at this church. So anyone that does anything different from what we do, well, they're wrong. That's kind of how I thought for the last five or so years. Um, but as we study the word and as we learn and we grow that can help us grow too. And that's exactly what Paul is able to see when everything to him is clean. And to others, it might be unclean. And um, we can grow as we learn God's word better and deeper. So verse 16, if something for you is spoken of as evil, what should you do? Respond in love. Okay. Yeah? What does that look like? What does responding in love look like? If something you're doing in good conscience is spoken of by your brother or sister as evil, what do you what do you do? You do it in love, but how do you do that in love? Consider one another as more important than yourself. Uh-huh. Yes. I I sit in that camp with you. Yeah. I need to be a little more loving, that's for sure. Be open to correction. Open to correction, yeah. If if you're doing something unknowingly and it's offending somebody, obviously they're gonna have to come to you and tell you or you're not gonna realize it. Yes. Yeah. And when they do come to you, it's how you respond. I mean you can say, Look, here's why I don't Bible, mm -hmm. or you can just say, hey, you're stupid. <laughs> In love. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I came up with a little list of do's and don'ts. A um, couple don'ts. And this isn't exhaustive. It's just a couple things. Don't get defensive, first thing, right? That was the first thing that popped in my head, which I do, is get defensive. So don't get defensive. Don't become angry. We don't want to overreact. 
Uh, we definitely don't want to speak of evil of them, right? I'm, I'm guilty of all these things, and that's why I wrote them down, because like, what have I done in the past? Um, and don't want to judge them. Don't do those things. That's what Paul's instructing us not to do. But what we do, what we should do, is take that humble stance. The first reaction in love is get on their level, right? If we just say, no, I'm going to do this because I believe it's fine, and here, let me show you why. Here it is. So I'm going to keep doing it. That's not very loving. It might be true, right? But it's not loving. So take a humble stance. Ask questions. Uh, you can apologize for not knowing. You don't necessarily have to apologize for what you did, especially if it wasn't in sin. If it was sin, definitely apologize. But for not knowing that that was an offense to them, just getting on their level, that puts you in position with them to interact as brothers and sisters in Christ, face to face, eye to eye. You want to seek further understanding of their issue? You want to seek fellowship with that person. And remember, we're supposed to be united with Christ in our hearts. Right, we, we are a body together. So remember those things as you approach that situation that they've talked to you about. And I think from that, from that stance, it can be a very positive outcome. Now it might take time. You might not convince anyone of anything right away, but if you take time with them and talk to them and then look to the word together, um, that could help them grow. Jeremy. It's a very interesting thing that the, the secondary issues and opinions are always evolving in our hearts and minds. Primary doctrines, those things that are definitional to our faith, don't evolve. But outside of that, we're all evolving. And that means we can pray to ask God to work on our hearts on those issues because He is active in shaping our conscience. Our conscience comes from God. And we can ask God to, to shape us and mold us in those areas the way He desires. And he, He's the one who does the binding and the loosening. The Spirit does and so, yeah, it's just a fascinating thing that there were, it's a moving target, these <laughs> matters of conscience. Uh, I'm sure we can think of things that used to be sin for us because we couldn't do it in faith, but now we can, mm -hmm. or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's yeah, and it's ever-changing. And he does that finally inducing the heart of each individual believer. It's become a real popular thing nowadays to take on that understanding of, uh, well, I don't know, teach me more, I'm going to take this position of not understanding it and listening, stepping back, right? Uh, this whole intersectionality thing. And uh, if you don't belong to a certain group, intersectional group, then you're not allowed to have an opinion or to speak into something. You're just permitted by the current culture to listen, which is a good thing. But the Holy Spirit speaks to each one of us equally, not to one or the other. Mm. Well, the wrap up, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We need to look at and realize what the kingdom, uh, realizing what the kingdom of God is and what's our purpose in life. Um, in 1 Peter 2.16, you can just write that down, I'll read it. Uh, says, act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God or servants of God. So our purpose in life, and I'm going to wrap this up because we're out of time, but we're here, we know as believers, living for God, for the kingdom of God, for his goodness, for his righteousness. Um, and we're to imitate Christ. Jesus Christ, he is the absolute 100% perfect example um, of how we are to act with love here on earth. When we fall short, which we will and we always do at some point or another, we just need to recognize it and seek God's grace, which he gives us just completely freely in abundance as his church, right? God's grace is way more than we can ever imagine, and it'll continue to overwhelm us through the rest of our life. But we're to imitate Christ as we live this life. And especially within the church, right? We're always supposed to reflect Christ as we live out our lives in this world amongst unbelievers. But to one another, um, the response and love and 
and, and fellowship and caring for each other has got to be of first importance, right? And then righteousness, peace, joy, all of those are found in the Holy Spirit. These are, are these things found by, can we just find them within ourselves by ourselves? We can't. Not to the extent that God has provided in the gospel, right? Somebody might be happy about a situation in life that's an unbeliever for this or those reasons and think they're satisfied, but that's not close to the joy that God gives. Um, It's found in the Holy Spirit. Uh, He gives us those things and he applies them to us in our lives so that those attributes are part of um, who we are so we can act those out towards one another in love. And I'll wrap up with this, uh, this other quote I liked. Um, this is from James Stifler, and he was another commentator that I, I looked at. He says, Paul is an advocate for liberty, but only love knows how to indulge it. This address is to the stronger brother, and we're all to build each other up. And if you're like me, we all think of ourselves in every situation as a stronger brother. But we need to realize we might be in the position of the weaker brother in some aspects. And we also want to be willing to listen, to learn, to understand, and to have those conversations and not be in a stance where we're unwilling to grow because we think we're right. But, um, yeah, that liberty that we have in Christ, uh, love is the only way, is the only way to indulge it, through love. Well, thanks for that study together. Appreciate your guys' time this morning. I'll wrap up in prayer and we'll go fellowship for a couple minutes before the main service starts. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you uh, for your apostle Paul and him writing this to your church in Rome. Thank you for Christ and his love as a perfect example and uh, the way that we can live our lives is through your love for us. So please fill us with your spirit. Uh, work within us today. May we glorify you with our thoughts and our words and our actions. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.